Now this is Hollywood Unlocked. Yo, it's Hollywood Unlocked Uncensored. I'm Jason Lee. I'm Alyssa Ford, a.k.a. The Curve Queen. Yeah, it was DJ Damage. All right, so if you're listening to us uh, at home on iTunes, that's great. But you can also watch us on YouTube, uh, listen to us on iHeart, Google Play, and Spotify. We everywhere. And you know this, man. Oh, we're everywhere. But we thank everybody for all of your kind words. People have been all in the comments flooding them with um, positivity after I had said yeah. that, you know, I had read one negative comment that set me on edge. So we just want to say we love all of you. Oh, you know, that's so sweet. Thanks, guys. Do it for the people. We're yeah, talking but, him off the ledge. Yeah, but we're taking next week completely off because I need to go on vacation. I'm now going to vacation. Where to, are you going? Where are you going? To my living room. <laughs> You're already there. No, I'm not. Right now, I am in my kitchen. But I will say that um, I'm celebrating my COVID-19 antibody test. I was live on Hollywood Unlocked uh, with my doctor, revealed my results, the testing, everything came back negative. So I've started a whole detox all my stuff came in from Amazon, and uh, I'm going to take a week to just uh, relax. Why not, man? Time to focus on you. Get your body right. Get your health right. But the vacation to your living room is hilarious. Yeah, seriously. No I've world. been talking to all my girls about going on. Once this is over, girls trip. Where are we going? I don't fucking care. We're anywhere we've got to get on a plane, and we clap when we land. That's <laughs> all I want right now. I want to finally go to an island. What island do y'all suggest? I think oh that's where I'm going to step out. Saint don't Lucia. Don't take the Dominican. St. Lucia. Saint Lucia? I, I, I actually was in the process of going to, uh, was it St. Lucia or St. Thomas? One of the saints. I was going to go. Uh, one of our They're so different. Well, one of our producers who produces on Wild and Out, she had invited me uh, over there to the island. I was going to go. And, you know, our friend, Frank, is in the Turks and Caicos, which is just, I'm looking at his Snapchat so mad that he he is uh celebrating you know every day waking up in a uh, tropical location but Yay. we're planning a all male trip somewhere when this is over me and my friend brian in new york it's going to be 30 men in one house <laughs> why <laughs> because yeah. we're just gonna like that shit that doesn't sound appealing to why me would you no, it sounds be- smelly Jason, even as a gay man why would you want to be in a house with 30 men no, I mean, it's not that like I want to be in the house with them. It's just that's how we're going to travel. We're going to get one house. But knowing me, I'll probably get my own house and then they'll have a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh, I can't even, Jason, can you imagine Jason in a house with 30 dudes? Yeah, like, but I don't, see, I don't even see it happening. No, but yeah, it, it's like speed dating for him. No, but it, it's not. No, it ain't that type of situation. It's like 30 friends, 30 male friends. Um, I've said no couples. I don't want to deal with couples, but they're already starting to arrange couples. I'm like, all right now. But <laughs> I do think, yeah, I do want to go and just, you know, explore with groups of people. And the number 30 just came up. So, damn. Maybe, Damage, I will. Maybe 15. Will. Yeah, well, 30 is a lot. Like, 30 is a fucking school trip. Like, no, it's just too, this too much. Too oh, much. Whittle it down to 12 to 15. But, damage, in terms of islands, I mean, you know what I would say? I would say Jamaica. Jamaica, Jamaica. I would, I would say Jamaica. I spent, I've spent so much time going to Jamaica. I used to shoot all my calendars there. I shot yeah. tons of magazine covers there. I love Jamaica. I would have a routine every time I got off the plane. I would just look for that roadside stand. You kind of have to have an eye for that you know, finding that perfect roadside stand and I would get some oxtail and Ooh. festival and some plantains and rice Yo. and peas and 
Oh, Jamaica, here we come, baby. I'm, co- I'm going. I love Jamaica's it. it. Cool. Jamaica's it. Well, I've never been there, um, but I, hopefully one day I can go there. But I do plan when I get out of here. Thailand is my first stop. Bali is my second stop. I'm taking two okay. days to myself. Um, one thing I have been doing every day in this whole coronavirus thing, quarantine, is I've been praying. I've been, you know, we all say a prayer. Oh, thank you, God, or a praying, you know. Whatever. But sometimes when I pray, my prayers would get distracted by all the noise in my head. I am mm-hmm. completely at a standstill with life right now. And so for the first time the other day, my prayer actually got through. So I've been like just praying and um, detoxing and drinking tons of water. Shout out to Essentia who sent me like six big ass boxes of water. Um, Mm. Yeah, I'm just, um, yeah, I'm chilling. But this is uh, today's guest, uh, Karen Bash. She's a congresswoman here in Southern California, a black woman uh, up in the the house, literally Mm -hmm. in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the first politician that we've interviewed, right? I think so. I'm, well, I missed, you know, a really big gap during my accident. So I'm That's not sure. okay. We talked a yeah, lot about B2K. We didn't talk yeah. about politics. Okay. Got it. Okay. But, you know, we just, um, Hollywood Unlocked and myself just got a phone so we can hear directly from our fans. And I want to just put it out here. Now I'm going to put the number at the bottom. So that way, if you have questions on how to get involved in politics, or if you just want to stay in touch with politics, or you want to get in touch with her office, you can text politics, the word politics, to the number below. And if you want to keep in touch with me, Damage, and Melissa, or give us ideas or feedback, don't be texting no craziness. Uh, you could text the word show, and I'll get it, and I'm going to sort you guys all out, and us three will figure out what to do with your phone number. So, <laughs> and, and I text people, so if you get a text from me, don't, don't be mad because you sent me your number. So anyway, with everything going on in the government, I know there's a lot of confusion um, if you're drinking bleach, please stop. I know the president suggested that we could ingest bleach um, as a way of killing the coronavirus. Um, I need to talk to her. I need. I, need, I have questions. And she's a former healthcare worker, so um, I'm sure we have a lot of stories and want to hear what her thoughts are on people on the front line. So um, welcome, Karen Bass. Welcome to the Hi. show. Thank Hi. you. Thanks for having me on. You know, we're here, lo- we're located here in Southern California, but I was bummed to find out I'm not in your district. I'm here in Hollywood and they're Beverly Hills in the Valley. Oh, mm. uh, well, I used to represent Hollywood, but when they did redistricting, they booted me out. No. Oh, that's that's horrible. Shame on all these horrible people in my neighborhood. I've, um, you know, Congresswoman Karen Bass, uh, you've been in the house for five terms. This is your fifth term, correct? Yes, it's hard for me to believe it's 10 years. It feels like it's about three. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, it under this... Order. doesn't under feel the, like 10 years. Yeah, well, under this presidency, I would have thought it felt like 50 at this point. Well, look, the last three years, yes, it has felt like 50. That's, that's for sure. It's just been... I mean, but look, I'm focused on the fact that it's 193 days. Right. Until, until we're able to vote again. Until we can end this nightmare. So we <laughs> wait, have wait, wait, a, wait, so- wait, Melissa, Melissa, before we get into it, first we want to say we really do appreciate your time and you coming on the show. We've interviewed a lot of celebrities. You are the actual first politician we've ever had on our show. And I know you're such a respected woman here in the city of Los Angeles. So I, I just want to welcome you to the show. And uh, we're excited to have you. So go ahead, Melissa. Um, Thank you. Oh- 
Yeah. I mean, we've been talking endlessly about getting you on the show. I know that I've seen your name on the list of like, you know, um, hopefuls uh, for the last, what, maybe six months or something. We've been hoping that you, us hoping we were going to get you. Um, So we're really excited about this happening. So a lot of people have, have, you know, just a lot of confusion as it relates to the upcoming election. We actually debated this on the show as to whether or not, or, or what the circumstances would be that an election wouldn't take place this year. Um, Can you enlighten the audience as to what circumstances an election wouldn't take place? Well, there really are no circumstances that an election wouldn't take place. And it's going to be really interesting because even though one minute he thinks he controls everything and then he doesn't control, I mean, he's a mess. But um, really, the only folks that could change the election would be the governor's. But by the Constitution, the Constitution says we have to vote for a president on the first Tuesday in November. But Mm -hmm. the interesting thing is, is that let's just say whatever, and it didn't happen. He has to leave on January 20th. Him and his buddy have to leave. And if (laughs) they don't leave and get evicted, then Speaker Pelosi becomes the president. (laughs) And let me just tell you something. I have been praying. Let me tell you, I was before you got on, I was saying to them that, you know, when coronavirus wasn't here, I was so distracted by life that my prayers didn't always connect to heaven. I felt like I was distracted (laughs) by the noise in my head, but I prayed. I said, Lord, if whatever reason there's a problem, let Pelosi step in and take control because I really feel like this is the most craziest experience I have ever had in my life. At this point, I'm watching the news conferences and I'm just amazed at how you all did a great job to impeach him, but somehow we still now have to look at this person every day leading us through this pandemic. Well, you know, he's, he's taught us a few things that, that are pretty scary. Please I mean, enlighten he, us. He has shown us that we have some, we have some serious weaknesses in our democracy that we didn't really know about. Mm. So, you know, but but our democracy was always based on two things. One, that the person in office was mentally stable. Yeah. And number two, that they weren't just an outright criminal. So the thing is, is that he, he doesn't believe that the rule of law applies to him at all. Our only remedy is impeachment. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work, then we're stuck. And we've never really experienced that before in 250 years that this country has been in existence. But this and, is what, and so that part, that part's a little scary. But this is what's frustrating to me. I mean, the House has done its job. I think one, right. I think one, we're all learning a lot more about government than we did before because we see where, like you said, this example, it can be broken or it cannot fully function. And we understand the balance of government. But this is the first time that I've seen a situation where, okay, the train is off the tracks, the House is doing their job, but we know no matter how much you do your job, you still have to have the Senate to come and do their job. And, and it's Republican controlled. And it's Republican controlled. But we, I mean, are you, were you surprised at how, um, you know, the, the, the other side of the aisle kind of just stood firm on, we're not going to lose our candidate or our president because we're just going to stand behind our guy. Like party loyalty. No. No, I wasn't because mm. the Republican Party has been taken over by an extremist element. And the extremist element is pretty cultish. So you essentially have the president as a cult leader and you have the Republicans 
who know better. And, and trust me, when we're walking around the Capitol and there's no cameras around, they are very embarrassed by his tweets. They know better. <laughs> but they have essentially decided a couple of things. We don't care what he does. So long as he protects the riches of the rich, and a number of my colleagues are quite wealthy, so long as they can get their tax cuts, and so long as they can get their judges. And so here's why the election is so important. It, it, if we don't fix this this year, mm. we are screwed for two generations, okay? You guys, your kids, and your grandkids. And the reason why is because they've just decided they're just going to confirm judges. So. We can have the best policies in the world. You can have Democrats control everything, the presidency, the Senate, and the House. But if they control the courts, whatever we do in Congress, they can just sue. Whatever happens in a city council, whatever happens in a state legislature, and they are deliberately appointing 40-year-olds who have the potential to be there for 40 years and are extremely conservative. And some of them are so unqualified. You probably saw that one guy when he was in his confirmation hearing. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but it, apparently what my lawyer friends told me is that the questions he was asked that he couldn't answer, he wouldn't have passed his first year in law school. So I don't know how he made it through law school. Maybe he had a rich daddy that just endowed some chairs or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but what they are doing and what their strategy is, is so serious. And that's why we, we can't fool around. I understand people might not be in love with our nominee, but I don't know why we got it in our head that we were supposed to be in love with somebody. I don't really know that. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I, that's a foreign concept to me. I mean, like it, it, seem, it seems like when it comes to the voting process, for a long time it has been what is the lesser of two evils. And I just wish right. that people would understand that you've got to make a choice. By not voting, you are making a choice and yeah. you're making a choice for what is, what is currently happening. And voting is one part of being involved in the political mm -hmm. process. It's not just the vote that matters. That matters. But it's getting educated on the person you're voting for, the issues you're voting for, and not just the president. Like the people you elect in your states and in your counties, yeah. or your Local states, government. your states. You know, like right. like Congresswoman Bass, you're in the House, so you're you're you know you're a big part of the three branches of our government. So like getting involved in that process and active. Why why are people so disconnected from their participation and the importance of it in the political process? You think? Well, first of all, I love everything you just said. That is absolutely right. We, we're, we're kind of interesting in our country because overall, overall, our culture, our American culture is pretty apolitical. We know everything about sports teams and celebrities, but if you ask people who their congressperson is, see, you knew I didn't represent you. You're already, you know, miles ahead of the average person. And I do, as part of being in Congress, I do town halls all the time. Well, now, of course, I have to do them virtually, but, uh, but I do town halls. And I will tell you that I spend the first half of my town hall explaining that I'm not in city council and that <laughs> I understand the traffic is bad, the dogs are barking and all that stuff, but actually I'm in Congress. And some people say, well, it's because they don't teach civics in high school. Well, I don't know who remembers what they were taught in high school. That's not the reason. It's yeah, because our culture does not really promote involvement. And so you're so right in saying voting is just one piece. 
People need to know who their elected officials are and they need to interact with them. I just did this town hall virtually a couple of hours ago talking about the epidemic, but talking about it and hearing the voices of people who are in prison and jails because they're sitting ducks. You can't do social distancing in a, uh, a prison and you don't even have proper hygiene in a prison. And so we were listening to their voices and we were asking them, tell us what you want us to do in Congress. That's the way it should work. The people that vote for me are the ones that should tell me what they want me to see, what they want to see me do. That's why I reach out all the time. But I do have to reach out because they don't automatically reach out to me. But let me give you an example. Literally, as we're sitting here talking, I just got a text message from a friend of mine's girlfriend who's uh, he's incarcerated in a prison in Kansas. I've been calling Laura Kelly's Laura Kelly's office, the governor there for the last three months, very privately trying to just understand why, how a person could be in prison for eight years for one pound of marijuana, first time offender. Um, and, and I know she's talked big on reform, but, and now with COVID-19 and the fact that, you know, there were, there was video that came out of there where the prison is going through a big riot um, and people are getting it. He just said right now, uh, 20 people in his unit just got it. What what does it take to and where does the conversation exist where real prison reform can be a priority, especially in times like this? Well, see, that's one of the things that was just so maddening. We actually were making some headway with prison reform and criminal justice reform in general. We were making headway. But now because of, of the uh, epidemic, why on earth would you have people sitting in jail for traffic violations or parole violations because they missed an appointment or the person that you're talking about or pregnant women or children? So now is the time we really need to release people. And so one of my hats in Congress is chairing the Congressional Black Caucus. And so we're fighting for early release of people. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you have some prisons where it's not just the inmates, it's the uh, guards that are getting sick as well. Yeah, that's what he said. He said, he said the guards. Yeah, he said the guards had it, too. He said the guards and the inmates are getting it. Wow. Right. And that's where they get it from, because the uh, guards are going in and out, in and out of the prison. So what was the solution to cut off visitation, to put people on lockdown? That's craziness. And so they need to release folks. So I've really been struggling over this because even some of my most liberal Democratic colleagues, they all understand nursing homes. But for some reason, they're not feeling the prison issue. It's That's why we did this well, town hall. Well, it's, it's because none of them have filled out a form to go and visit somebody in prison. We it, it impacts it impacts our people. And the frustrating yeah. part to me is that every person I find myself talking to about the situation is not like me, you lacks know, and empathy for the situation, not even lacks empathy. They just don't, we're not having the same conversation because we're not coming from the same place. Absolutely. And right. So, so what can we do? Like, what can I, me, Jason, Melissa damage, Hollywood unlock, what can we do to support you? You know, uh, anti what Maxine, uh, you know, AOC, <laughs> Pelosi, those of you who are in there really like, I feel like fighting for the underdog. What can we do? to help personally and from our platform? Well, let me just tell you a, a tremendous amount. So amplifying the issue, getting getting this story in, in mainstream media, 
social media, all the different platforms. You know, I was so desperate a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, oh, we need some celebrities to come out and say something. So I started, you know, not, I didn't necessarily have personal contact, but anyway, I eventually got to LL Cool J. And I we saw that on your Twitter. I saw that. I saw that. And, you know, and I was reaching out because we have to have voices. And to the extent that you can raise this on your platform or maybe some of the celebrities that you've interviewed, because the way Congress works, Congress can take 10 years to work or 10 minutes. And it's mm. all based on public pressure and based on, you know, what, what is happening. And so when the outrage happens over the number of deaths and infections with people who are incarcerated, the, the Congress will move immediately. So my, my uh, concern right now is, is that we passed this bill yesterday, right? It was a stopgap measure. We're in the middle now of working on another bill. And so if the profile, if the, the awareness can be raised about this issue right now, it will really help us get legislation in the next bill for early release. Now, BOP, uh, Bureau of Prisons, is supposed to be doing early release. We got a little bit in the bill we did before, but uh, it takes the public pressure to Listen, say, this is crazy. Congresswoman Bass, I will tell you right here, if you let me work with you, I will get the people. I got the people. They all right here in my phone. I will get the people. <laughs> I will get the people and, and I will work with you on, I mean, I, we could talk offline, but I will get the people. I just don't have, like, I had a call with um, Van Jones's office uh, the, from Reform. You know, we're talking about a coalition, Tamika Mallory, but we don't have the political, the the where to, where to really get in there. And, I mean, I understand, you know, I used to work at a, at a union. I was a director of SEIU here in California for many years. Oh, cool. So I understand the pressure and the rallying and, and the lobbying. But, um yeah, I would love to work with you. Uh, I would it's a, love it's a, it's that. Issue. I would really deeply appreciate that. And, you know, the real deal is this is life and death. This is yeah. life and death. I wish, as a matter of fact, the call that we did was live streamed. And, um, and I think that means that you can go back and see it. And it'll be on the Congressional Black Caucus uh, webpage. We even had somebody call us from inside and, mm. uh, and talk to us. But we had family you know, on and people who were told, and listen to this, there are a number of people that the Board of Bureau of Prisons said they were going to release, got people all ready to release, and then canceled it for no reason. And we, but, we but, don't but, know why but, they, they well, canceled it. Why they didn't say, they didn't give There's a reason? No, reason given. no, they didn't give a reason. No, they just told them, they, can you imagine that? I mean, this one uh, woman came on in, in tears talking about her father who had been told he was going to be released, got all ready to leave, you know, multiple health problems, age and all that. And then they just yanked it from him. They just pulled the rug right out from under him. I would deeply appreciate working with you. Okay, no, I we're gonna follow up right after this and, uh, and make something happen. I think if we could have a, a town hall with uh, some folks who have mega power um, yes. influence on social media and draw <laughs> thousands and thousands of people in, I mean, I would love to be a part of that. Um, so you just, you talked about the call that you were just on regarding the whole, um, COVID-19 and everything. You were a healthcare worker. I worked with healthcare workers. What are your thoughts on PPE and, um, people's, um, access to staying safe? You know, the things that help them stay safe on the front line. Well, it, it gives me flashbacks because, uh, I worked in LA County emergency room 
uh, at the beginning of the AIDS crisis. And we didn't know where it was coming from. We didn't know anything. We didn't even, we, we didn't wear gloves at all to draw blood or do any of that. That came years later. And so I have tremendous empathy for the people uh, that work there. We would go to work every day and we wouldn't know whether or not, you know, we would get infected. In those days, if we got infected, it was an immediate death sentence. That was it. It was over. And, uh, and so I empathize for them. But here we are, the United States of America, the richest country in the history of the world, and 50,000 people are dead today because the man in charge ignored it and said it was going to go away mysteriously. It was going to get warm. I mean, even yesterday he said, well, you know, in hot weather, light and uh, it'll go away. Mm -hmm. and, and Singapore which apparently is extremely hot and humid, is having a raging resurgence of the infection. Science has no role to play in this administration. Hmm. And so there is just no reason to be in the situation that we're in right now. We couldn't produce protective equipment for people. We couldn't produce tests. We couldn't build respirators. This is just inexcusable. Congressman- he wanted to be remembered in, in history. Just think of some of the atrocities that have taken place in this administration. Locking yeah. children up in cages, taking them away from their parents for political reasons. Now he's exporting COVID to Central America. I'm sure you've heard that. He's deporting people with COVID to Central America where they don't have the health system that we have. Wow. You remember when uh, Bush was in, the last Bush, and we mm -hmm. thought he was, like, not very intelligent. Congressman, I was actually going to ask you about that, because a lot of people, you know, whenever a new president comes um, into office, he's compared to his predecessors. Um, and a lot of times when uh, Trump first began, you know, uh, first started this term, he was uh, compared to Nixon a lot. Wow. You would know something about that. You know, mm -hmm. like, um, wh what are your thoughts um, about the comparisons made towards uh, between Trump and Nixon? Because I mean, no he... comparison, mm -hmm. no comparison. I mean, Nixon, you know, I did, didn't agree with him, of course, but uh, Nixon was educated. He knew mm -hmm. what he was doing. Now he got into some mental health issues at the end. Mm -hmm. But he didn't begin that way. And so did Reagan. I mean, Reagan went into to, uh, Alzheimer's, you know, during his during his second term. But there is just no comparison to this guy. And he is there any no clue what the office is? I mean, Nixon had been in office for many years. He has no clue what the role of an elected official is. So he a, lot of, a lot of people have suspicion that he has he has dementia or like early onset Alzheimer's because sometimes he sounds, you know, a little loopy you know i mean we 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 you know uh, uh we think that it's you know him being you know insidious and manipulative and you know doing what he does best stirring up his cult and whatnot but sometimes he sounds like he's having like a mini stroke like has there been whispers behind the scenes that yeah. he's two sandwiches short of a picnic? <laughs> he said absolutely no. <laughs> yes there, ha there has been and uh i will tell you that uh there were also whispers you remember when he disappeared for a minute? They couldn't find him. And, and uh, most people think that he, especially the reporters, believe that he had a heart attack. Mm. Um, but I, I have just believed that he was not well. I believe that from the very beginning. During the campaign, 
I did a change.org petition because I was so angry with mental health professionals that they weren't saying anything. Here you had somebody that had obvious problems, was obviously not well, and I thought they should have come forward and said something, and they didn't. And then I was pissed because after he was elected, then they all started calling my office, trying to tell me that I needed to tell Obama not to let him be president. And I'm like, well, what do you think Obama is supposed to do? Where were you Why did you speak out and say, you can't elect this man, he's a danger. And now we know that he's not just a clear and present danger to our country, he's a clear and present danger to the planet. Yeah, and, the, and I'm glad you said the planet because what people don't realize is that everything that happens in our country affects the world, right? We Absolutely. are the... We're the most powerful uh, country in the world. And I think the thing that I would say that I think distracts people is like this conversation about Trump, 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 and less about the issues and connecting them directly to the people that are dying. Those are your family members. I'll give you one example. My cousin's son committed suicide during this pandemic. They they, They weren't able to bury him because you can't have a funeral. So- now, when the, whole, when the whole family is talking about not being able to bury him, I'm like, and let me tell you why. The White House, the, exactly. the, the how they're handling this pandemic is the reason why you all had to cremate him. And now his whole life, we weren't able to mourn together. And so it's one of those things where I wish people would just understand that, you know, um, it's bigger than Trump. You know, if Trump doesn't make it in, or, or, or if he does make it in another term, which God forbid, I wouldn't even know what to do. Um, the issues just get worse. And do you think, though, as a, as a Democrat, what is your criticism of what maybe the Democratic Party hasn't done well in educating people on, you know, whatever? Well, don't let me get started there. <laughs> my, my first problem is, is that I think that the Democratic Party begins way too late. And so actually, right after Trump got elected in January of 2017, when I was having, uh, you know, my normal town halls and everybody was freaked out about Trump, um, you know, what what the party typically does is about three months before the election, everybody gets revved up. I felt like that this was going to be such a awful experience with him that we needed to begin right away because I was fearful of two things. I was fearful that people would normalize his behavior. Now, I believe that's happened. Yes, I agree. The second thing was, I was afraid that people would just shut down and turn off. Fortunately, that has not happened. We have won, and, and I, I, somebody needs to do this, needs to make a list of all of the elections that have been won, because people focus on Congress, and obviously I'm excited about the fact that we won the House, but we have been winning everything since he's been elected. People have been running for everything. After the Women's March, you don't see people marching as much, which I frankly think is a good thing. Marching makes you feel good, but it doesn't necessarily bring out change. What people did, though, was that everybody started running for everything. You know, the the election that I really liked um, in 2018, you remember when that uh, woman was riding her bike? Riding her bike and she gave her finger to the um, uh, entourage, yeah. (laughs) You know, she got fired from her job. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she turned around and ran for office and won. Mm-hmm. And she's a county supervisor. And in her district is his golf course. <laughs> now that's just justice. <laughs> but don't, but don't, I remember when, before the impeachment thing became a highly publicized process on the news, 
uh, Maxine Waters was calling from his impeachment out the gate. I mean, she said this president is a threat. This president. Why do you do? You, I think people didn't listen to her because she's black. I think because she's black and she talks like she talks. She talks like the people she represents and she right. relates to a demographic that's the most under the most underutilized, but the most impacted in our country. But and do but I, and I think they dismissed her because of that fact. But why do you think people didn't listen early on? to people like her or you or others that were saying, hey. Sounding the alarm. Sounding the alarm. You know, I think that, I think there's a percentage of folks that wanted to see if he would change. And you remember that. People, well, he's going to moderate. He's going to, you know, learn the job, whatever. There were a percentage of people that did that. There was another percentage of people that, just felt like there's nothing that we could do. And I viewed it as my job to grab that percentage and say, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't have a right to be so dis, you know, confused that you don't know what to do. We have to get busy now. So what I did was I grabbed people and we started going to the Republican districts in Southern California. And you know, there were five of them, five seats, and that we needed to take those seats back. And so we started going out every weekend. We went out, either physically went out and knocked on doors or did phone calls, did phone banking every weekend from, from March of 2017 until November of 2018. And we're still going out because in L.A., we have an election in a few days. We have an election May 12th, and it's going to be an all-mail-in election, and we've never done that before. And that's for the seat in um, northern L.A. County that Katie Hill you remember when she resigned? Well, yeah. now Christy Smith is running for her seat, and she's in a very tight race. Uh, the Republicans picked a very strong candidate, and so uh, we're fighting right now. So the folks are on the phone. They're probably on the phone as I, as I speak, calling to make sure that people know that they got their ballot. So even if you didn't sign up for an absentee ballot, you got your ballot anyway. And, mm -hmm. um, and so we have to get people trained, you know, that that was a ballot. This is how you're voting this time. So uh, we always have plenty, plenty to do. Now, Katie Hill, she was the House member who was a victim of uh, revenge porn, right? Her boy, ex-boyfriend had put out some stuff about her, and then her she husband. resigned. Her husband, her ex, her mm -hmm. ex-husband, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then she had said that she had had a relationship with a staffer. And I know Pelosi was. Um, encouraging her to stay, which I didn't understand why she needed to leave. She was the victim in it all. Uh, and we have a president who said he would grab women by the vagina and got elected. Why, why did she quit? I mean, I feel like we're talking about a, a really bad reality show. This just we are. Crazy. We are. Unfortunately, it's our lives right now. It's our lives and 50,000 people are dead. I, I just can't get over that. I mean, in his press conference today, he said, well, you know, I mean, it's the minimal amount. And it's like, you're talking about 50,000 people. One yeah. of his problems that I believe is, is a symptom of not being well is that he does not have the capacity to have empathy. That part of his brain doesn't function. It's either and that so or it's narcissistic personality disorder, which he's probably had his entire life of entitlement and, you know, draft dodging and whatnot. So 
you know, like I, I'm not at this point, I, I'm not shocked by anything. I'm shocked that we actually still are tuning into these press briefings because this is really his campaign trail right now. And he's, you know, riling up his cult to now be protesting, um, you know, the stay at home order. Like it's a, I think he's masterful at being able to flip the script constantly. Mm. That one, that's something nobody can take away from him. He well, well. No, the other the other thing about him is that he lies pathologically. And so we haven't seen that before. But but what has happened is, is that it's been contagious because now they just openly lie. And mm-hmm. and and I mean you sit there in like utter amazement. Um but, and, and that's that I believe has become normalized. But but then you and this I guess the crazy part about it all is that I mean, you know, there's a lot of distrust people have for politicians in general because of whatever, whether there's their background, their community, their family, whatever. Um, Again, I just feel like people have to know the elected officials that they put into speak on their behalf in the House, in the Senate to be able to keep balance of power. So that way we don't have this runaway you know, this runaway cop, you know, on the job. And I will say that, um, what was it? Oh, this state, I'm so proud of uh, our governor. Um, yep. I'm proud of Kevin the work Newsom. that he's doing. I, I love how he's communicating. He, he always worked well with the unions when he was mayor in San Francisco, but um, I, th- I think he's doing a great job of communicating. What do you think about how our state has been handling the crisis in New York as well? I mean, they're, uh, I don't know about their mayor, but their governor's doing well too. Yeah, I call him President Cuomo. (laughs) But uh, but no, I mean, I think, you know, California just absolutely shines. I mean, because we really should, by right, have a much worse situation than we do. But because, you know, the uh, governor jumped on it, because we have strong mayors that jumped on it right away, uh, I think we're in very good shape. And I will tell you that you know, one thing I've learned about being in Congress, I've learned a lot about the country. And, you know, they, they have so many names they call us, like the left coast and all that. Well, I understand why, because we are different in an awful lot of ways. I mean, so many progressive policies. And that goes back to what I was saying before. So can you imagine if he won again and if they won the House back and they were able to keep confirming these judges? All the progressive things that have happened in California could be reversed. Yeah. I and so, no, go ahead, speaking of the changes, I wanted to know, how did you feel about, or how do you feel about the, the reopening of Georgia? Well, I mean, you know, you have, you have Georgia, South Dakota, Texas, um, Mississippi. Uh, these people have no relationship to science. I think their ancestors promoted a flat earth or something. I mean, they just have no relationship, no connection to science. And the idea that they would just outright reject what scientists say. I was listening to someone. And by the way, to me, there is the synergy between these elected officials, the president and Fox News. And they all work in sync. I was listening to a person on Fox today said, well, if you let scientists run things, they would make us stay at home and jump rope and eat vegetables all the time. They don't <laughs> think about it. It's like, <laughs> you know, are you see the people in the rallies? They're not wearing masks. They're not protecting themselves. 
some of those people are going to get sick because they have rejected science. You have these governors, especially like Kemp and also the governor in Florida, a number of these governors I know because they were in the House and they ran for governor, but they are Trump devotees. They're a part of this cult. And so they basically are going along. And what they don't understand is, is that he'll turn around and throw them under the bus in 30 seconds. So he did the, guy, the governor of Georgia, you know, he was supporting him. And then somebody told him otherwise, and he just threw him totally under the bus. Wow. And so mm-hmm. why you would be devoted to somebody that has a track record of being devoted to no one except for mm. themselves is beyond me. A chair of the U.S. House of Foreign Affairs. You're still there? Yes, I chair the subcommittee on Africa. Okay, the subcommittee on Africa. Now, let me ask a question just in terms of foreign affairs. So we all know that out of nowhere, he went and killed the number two guy in Iran. <laughs> didn't sit, Didn't seek congressional support. Don't know how we funded that. What I mean, uh, I didn't see anything happen to him for that. And then uh, in the midst of this pandemic, he's sending well wishes to Kim Jong-un over in North Korea. What? Where does somebody step in and say, this is not how we work as a country, as a government? Is, well, is, this, is, this just, is there no way, unless, I mean, the folks in the Senate, is there just no way to hold them accountable? No. He has shown us that there's no way. That goes back to that loophole in our democracy that we never experienced before. And I can tell you, because I do spend a lot of time uh, outside of the country, primarily in Africa, but other places as well, and people around the world are like, what happened to you guys? Is this all because you elected that black guy? I mean, you guys have like lost your minds ever since. We have no moral authority in the world. And let, and let me talk about COVID, let me talk about the pandemic for a minute. Do you remember Ebola? Yes. Mm-hmm. Ebola was supposed to be a pandemic that never happened. Why didn't it happen? Because President Obama went on the international stage and galvanized and mobilized the world. He got all of the world leaders together and they said, this virus that is far more deadly than COVID is in Africa. Let's stamp it out in Africa. It never became a pandemic. Two people died in the United States. The World Health Organization predicted a million people were going to die. Now, one is too many. 11,000 people died in what could have been a pandemic. This guy has no standing in the world. You know they laugh at him. They think he's a joke. They all know how to deal with him. All you have to do is just you know, put on a parade, you know, and ambassadors come and talk to me. I mean, the French ambassador came over because he was really worried that we were going to pull out of Africa. And we were joking about how his president, Macron, just, he knew uh, Trump's number. He just put on a big parade. When he went to Saudi Arabia, they, they did all that stuff when, you know, and so they know that he is so easy to manipulate. And, uh, and so we have no standing in the world. And when we have a new president, which I certainly hope is, it has to be, it just has to be. Biden was a part of all of that with Ebola. He's known around the world. He has respect. Do you remember the day that Obama was elected? Do you remember the international response? Yes. I mean, it was like January 1, where you see all of the fireworks that happened. <laughs> 
You know, that's how people greeted Obama's presidency. Well, no, it, 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 the world looks at us and says, what happened to you guys? Yeah, when, no, they, when, they definitely do. When Obama was elected, you felt the shift in the world. You felt yeah. just, I mean, I remember as a person who's a part of the LGBT community, I remember when, uh, you know, they passed legislation to uh, uh, release the ban on gay marriage and then the White House was rainbow. I said, oh, right. they, they, right. they, somebody better be protecting Obama because it's about right. to get real now. But but right. it felt but he felt like everybody's <laughs> president. I know that he took a lot of criticism for not doing enough for the black community, specifically around the killings of young black men from police and stuff like that. And that's another complicated issue. But do you think the world is ready for a black female vice president? And is oh. it by chance you? Because Biden's been holding his cards <laughs> close to the vest. So we're wondering, are we talking to possibly the next VP of the United States? Well, if we if we are, I want to come to the party. So just don't <laughs> forgive me. We're inviting ourselves. <laughs> well, you would be more than welcome, but I don't think so. But yes, I absolutely think America is ready for that. I absolutely do. And there's certainly a number of choices, most notably our very own but uh, our very own senator. But I do think that there are a number of choices that he could pick from around the country, people who have made outstanding contributions. And, uh, and I am just hoping that, you know, the folks that watch Fox, and that's the sad thing because it is the number one network, that because of what is happening with this virus, that they are able to separate themselves. I mean, if the election were held today, Biden would win hands down. But in, in politics between 194, three or four days, that's a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I do believe though, that this situation that we're in now is so profound to have the combination of a public health emergency and an economic catastrophe that if COVID were to go away tomorrow, we still have 22 million people who filed for unemployment in just the last month. Many of those people, if, if the virus ended tomorrow, might not have a job to go back to because the job didn't survive. The small business didn't make it. And so I believe that we're gonna be in this crisis for a very long time. I just hope that people understand who is responsible for this. You remember, he went out right when it started. He went to his rallies and he said this was all a conspiracy with the uh, Democrats, Democrats, right? Yeah, I remember. Hey, when I was on the floor yesterday listening to the debates, I heard my Republican colleagues saying that the Democrats want the economy to crash so that they can hurt Trump. As though, again, 50,000 people are dead today. So so let me ask you now, and I know you got to get ready to go, but with Barack Obama, I've never had the pleasure of meeting the the Obamas. I will at one point because I manifest everything. I love both of them. What do you think about, and I mean, I know he's an organizer. I know sometimes organizers move very quietly um, while they're organizing or providing support here and their resources. But what do you think about them being so silent? I mean, not not completely silent because Barack will say something here or there. Michelle will come out here and there, but not being as active. Do you think it's appropriate because they're not in office or do you think they could have done more? No, no, no. I think that he shouldn't have been active at all while we were going through the primary. But now that, um, you know, it's settled as to who the nominee is and Bernie has uh, conceded and not just conceded, but endorsed Biden. I think you will see the Obamas everywhere. 
I think you're not seeing them right now because of the pandemic. Mm. But uh, but I think the second this thing settles down, you will see uh, both of them everywhere all the time. Yeah, if there's one thing that they've always shown is the fact that they are extremely classy and thoughtful um, and just, you know, completely cognizant of optics. They are exceptional at that. So because it's COVID, they're not you know, doing much, but they're going to throw their, throw their full weight behind. Well, well, I know when this first happened, the first thing I put on my Instagram is where is Michelle and Brock? I, that's all I want. I, I, this has been the most, it caused me so much anxiety that I had to have my doctor come and do an antibody test. So I know where I stand in. He's a hypochondriac. Don't let him go down the litany of tests. He has his doctor perform on him inside his I got candles burning throughout my house. I am (laughs) relaxing. But I just want to say, before we leave, any last words you want to give to folks? And we're going to put a number, you know, throughout the show where people can text us. And what we'll do is they'll text us. Uh, they'll text us and then we will send them your office information on how they can support you. Well, first of all, let me just tell you that I have just really enjoyed being with you. I am honored that you reached out and wanted me on the show. Let me just mention everybody's at home, sheltering in place. No excuse not to fill out your census form. You can do it online. You can do it on the phone. You can ask for it to be mailed to you. That is critically important. That's that's as important as the judges because that's going to determine representation and also resources. But I would really like to work with you because we got to get our folks out. We got to get our folks out. We just cannot allow people to, I mean, I've wanted to see the prison population reduced, but not through death. Mm-hmm. And we will make it through this, but in 193 days, we have got to do our job and end this nightmare. Oh, I, I'm going to be in touch almost immediately. I have some ideas and I, I, whatever I can do to help, you got me. But thank Great. you so thank much you. for uh, thank, thank you. you so much for taking time to talk to us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank thank you. you. Okay. Bye. Bye. What up, YouTube? Thank you for watching this reckless show. Yeah, and hit that subscribe button and don't forget to hit the notification bell. And also don't forget to share and leave a comment because we are reading.